Hello friends, welcome back to the Jack Ravel Show. Today's guest is the gorgeous CC McLaren, and I mean that in so many ways. Our conversation today takes us on CC's journey through what I'm sure most of us have experienced at some point in our lives. CC is now a lifestyle coach who works with women all over the world who are living unconsciously on autopilot, trapped in unhealthy patterns. We open up our coaching knowledge to discuss the areas of life we think most people struggle with understanding. We explore the spiritual side of how to view the world and Cece explains some really helpful ways for anyone who is finding their life a bit all over the place. If you enjoyed this episode, then please be a lovely human and remember to hit that subscribe button. If you want to get a Christmas card from me this year, which I all know you do, then go ahead and share this with someone. Give them that lovely gift of getting me in their ears every single Monday. I mean, who wouldn't enjoy that? Anyway, on with the show. Hi guys, welcome to the Jack Ravel Show. So today we've got a lovely guest on uh, who is also a good friend of mine and a fellow coach, Cece McLaren. Cece is a lifestyle coach. She works with women all over the world who are living on unconscious autopilots and trapped in an unhealthy lifestyle patterns. And I'm really interested to talk to Cece today because, you know, obviously not being a woman, but I understand that there are issues that, you know, women's have and, and that, that people go through and that, that, that don't talk about. And, you know, I think Cece's been through a journey herself and I, I'm going to, we're going to dive into that a lot today. Um, and we're going to kind of hopefully understand why it is that she's gone from where she was to where she is now and helping other people on that journey. So welcome to the show, Cece. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here. Fantastic. Thank you. So First of all, let's let's just go back to the very start. You know, you are someone who I know as a coach because we've we've met through the through the uh, the industry and through the uh, the social circles of, of that sort of stuff. But what were you what were you doing and where were you? You know, back back before you started coaching and doing that sort of stuff. Where what's what's your where does the journey start for you? Yeah, before I entered this weird and wonderful online coaching space, I was um, living a pretty regular life. I've been in London since I was 18, came here for uni. Um, I actually did anthropology, which I loved, but never really knew like what I wanted to do with it. So like a lot of people, I kind of just fell into the corporate world, um, sort of toyed with fashion for a bit and didn't really get on well there and did a bit of PR. And then eventually I fell into sales. And I basically got to a point where I was like, um, if this isn't going to work or if I can't do something I want to do, because I didn't know what my passion was at the time. I didn't have any clue about coaching. Um, I thought, well, I'll just make some money then, like a lot of people. So I'm in London. It's obviously quite an expensive place to live. And I just dove into the corporate world. So I ended up in Canary Wharf and I was there for about, I'd say about five years in total, working for a big multinational corporation. And for a while, I really enjoyed it. I got really, really into that work hard, play hard mentality. Um, I made a lot of good friends there. I used to go out all the time. We were all doing really well, making good commission, going out and drinking, and then rinse and repeat, basically. Rinse and repeat, So that's kind of where I... (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So that's kind of like where I started. And um, it's been like a bit of a weird journey to get to coaching, but I think it's only with hindsight, and I'm sure you'll recognize this from your own journey. You you look back and you realize actually all the milestones were exactly what they were supposed to be at the time. But when I was that in my early 20s working in sales, I didn't have a clue where things were going. All I knew was that I was making good money and that was enough for now. But once the novelty wore off, then I started to be left with much deeper questions about my future so yeah that was my start and I mean that lifestyle sounds incredible to some people you know earning good money going out partying rinse and you know rinse and repeat as you said what 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 was the Mm -hmm. what was the what was the change for you why why did you suddenly wake up one day and go this isn't this isn't right this isn't for me yeah so I didn't actually just wake up one day the universe woke me up It tried to wake me up quite a few times um, with little signs, little messages. Um, It definitely got me into sales in the first place. I was having messages from everywhere saying, you should get into sales, you should get into sales. So I did. 
And then a few years in, I started to get little messages from people saying about my um, abilities to motivate people, my abilities to kind of speak to different types of people, to inspire people. But I didn't believe that. I just thought that was what was being a good friend. So I didn't think of that as something special, I suppose. So I kind of got these signs and symbols, but because that wasn't enough, the, I, the universe was like, okay, we need to wake her up. So I basically, in 2019, I went for two promotions at work and I had got to the point where I was like, yeah, they're in the bag, like they're mine, it's all good. And was fully just living in that kind of egotistical mentality. And then I didn't get the first promotion and I didn't get the other one either. And it was a huge blow to my ego. I was really embarrassed, especially because of the reputation that I had cultivated and created in my corporate job, which I had done very carefully um, to kind of build a persona that I felt safe in, I suppose, and that felt enjoyable. I had a lot of people saying, yeah, absolutely. You'll get these jobs. You'll be promoted. You're in line for this, this and this. And so when it didn't happen, that left me feeling really exposed and with a lot of question marks. And at the same time in my personal life, I was um, supposed to meet up with somebody that I had met whilst I was traveling, doing some traveling in Australia, like on a long holiday. Uh, that then fell through. And so I had this kind of at the same time, not getting these promotions and a trip that I then was basically facing going to America on my own. I'd already committed to see my godparents who live out there, but this person had fallen through. And so it was a real crossroads for me where I just thought, right, I'm going to turn this trip into something good because everything is going crazy right now. What can I control? So I decided to book on a few extra days and go to New York on my own. And that was the most transformative experience of my entire life I had never felt confident enough to travel on my own I'd never done anything like that before and how, how suddenly here I was at this point um this was only in May 2019 so okay, I so was recently. 27 at this point wow, yeah recently 27 yeah a couple of years ago about a year and a half ago and um I'm in New York on my own and I started to have what I called at the time epiphanies, what I now know to be sort of more spiritual now that I've developed that spiritual side of myself. At the time, I just used to say, oh, I'm having an epiphany, a light bulb moment. And I had epiphany after epiphany about the fact that I had been striving for goal after goal after goal and it was never enough. And I had to go for the next job and more money and the next promotion and, and this and this and this. And I realized in that moment that I had been striving for those things, not because I wanted to achieve them because they're things I actually wanted, but because I didn't feel good enough the way that I was. I didn't feel worthy just being the person that I am. And that was a huge moment for me. And I really reassessed everything. Um, and that kickstarted, yeah, the pivot. So what do you think was was driving you to chase those those things of the money and the promotions and the the status essentially what what was the driving force looking back on it now i think it's the same for a lot of people i think a lot of our unfulfillment and our dissatisfaction in life comes from an underlying feeling of not being worthy enough or, mm. or lack of worthiness and that certainly was what happened in my case you know I come from a really great family I don't come from a difficult background at all um but even so you know you do grow up with these deep rooted beliefs that you are not good enough and lots of things played into that throughout the years and you know that's another podcast <laughs> but um you know I had this this feeling of not being good enough and so rather than actually sit with that you chase after things that you associate with success and at that point I did what I knew to be success. And I don't look back and kind of begrudge what I did because as you said earlier, like at the time until it started to crumble, I was living a great life. I wasn't unhappy. Like in my early twenties working in corporate, I thought I was smashing it. I thought I was hashtag living my best life, going on holidays whenever I wanted, earning good money. I felt like I was like queen bee of the office. And that was great until it wasn't anymore. And then something brought me kind of crashing back down to earth and now I know it was to open up this next new chapter of my life and I think I could easily have not gone to New York I could have easily gone 
tail between my legs, worked for another year, gone for the promotion again, probably got it. And I might still be there, but I didn't. I was like, no, this is, there are too many signs here. I need to listen. I need to take some time out. And I think for anyone listening, you know, when you do get those, one thing goes wrong and another and another, rather than going, oh my God, what is life? I better just kind of keep my head down and, and carry on. Have a thing about, hang on, is, is someone trying to get through to me here? Am I, you know, am I where I'm supposed to be? And can I take some time out to see maybe things are going wrong for a reason? It's interesting. Spirituality is something that I have heard many different descriptions about. So first of all, how, how does, what does spirituality mean to you? Mm. Spirituality to me is something that I have always known to be there but didn't know what its name was, didn't know how to talk about it, didn't know what it actually was. I always associated, when I was young, I was raised Catholic, so I used to go to church, but never quite bought into God being like a white man on a cloud. <laughs> so I kind of took myself away from that. But what I always held faith in was love. I said I used to say when I was younger, love is the only thing that really matters. Love is the only thing that actually exists. All of this stuff, our job, money, it doesn't mean anything. Only thing that matters is love between human beings, right? And I used to say that when I was quite young and before I would say I was fully conscious and I'm still not fully 100% conscious because otherwise I'd be like Buddha or something. So, you know, it's like a journey. But I always used to say that. And so when I, I attribute my spiritual awakening, if you like, to a very specific moment when I was on holiday um, in summer 20, 2018, so the summer before I, I kind of went to New York, and I was in Turkey with a friend, and she invited me to go on a really early morning walk to like a deserted monastery. And I was like, yeah, that sounds awesome. Let's get up. Let's see the sunrise. Um, I love a bit of, you know, ancient culture and you know, going to those sorts of places. So I was really up for it. And so off we went, we got up really early and we got up there and I was just expecting to see an old site and find it interesting and then go and have some brunch or something. But when we got there, because it was so early and it was deserted and there was no one else there, it was only tiny, this place on a, on a hillside. And you just looked out and you could just see the sea as far as you could sort of the eye could stretch. And she went off wandering and she was taking some photos and I just sat. And the only way I can describe it is I felt like the heaviness of the silence. I felt like the silence like weighed down on me. I felt so supported and held by the universe in that moment that I just started to cry. I felt like everything I'd been holding on to, everything that had been in my shoulders for so many years had finally kind of released and come down. And I just understood the meaning of the oneness in that moment I felt one with everything and at the time I thought oh my god I've had this I just felt really emotional maybe I'm really tired maybe I need a break and I now as I say look back because I've done so much more reading and I've really dived deep especially through lockdown into my spirituality and now I attribute and understand that to be a spiritual awakening and so it's almost like I've gone full circle because when I did anthropology I was very much like no no religion like I look at everything objectively. We're all just cells. I went through a very like guns, germs and steel phase, if you've heard of that book. I have. I've got it on, on my <laughs> library of, of books to read. It's, it, I haven't read it, but is it, yeah. is, it, is it a lot about just like... Richard Dawkins. It's just absolutely anti-God. Like there's no reason for anything. We've just evolved and that's it. And I went through that phase. And now I'm back to the point where I'm comfortable using the word God. And I know what God means to me. It means love. It means that part in you, the part, in me, the soul, the higher self, the consciousness that's experiencing itself. So I've had a really fast awakening. And there are pros and cons that come with that as well. What are they? Well, in the sense that, obviously, the pros probably more widely spoken about, you know, you feel a deeper sense of connection to purpose, you feel improvement in your relationships, you want to take care of yourself, and you're, me and you have been on a similar journey in terms of moving to more sober, conscious living, that sort of thing. You feel connected. But it can also be really fucking lonely. Like, and this is what people don't tell you. Like, I have been to, since places started opening back up in London, you know, I've been to some of the, uh, my friend's a member of a private members group in London, for example, and sometimes I go with her just to do work. And um, we went along and 
And I almost felt like the only way I can describe it is like I was behind a pane of glass looking in and I wasn't actually there. And it was a real sense of like disconnect, like the places and the people and some of the things that I used to feel a real sense of connection to. I now just, I'm like, I feel very disconnected from them. And I think I'm lucky in the sense that my closest friends are growing with me and understand the journey I'm on and are really interested and are on their own healing journeys as well. But at the same time, it doesn't stop you from feeling a bit isolated. And am I going to be able to engage with people in the same way that I used to now that none of this day-to-day BS really means anything to me anymore? And it's it's just a weird, you kind of come up and then you're like, oh God, I feel a bit lonely and it can feel scary. And so you don't want to go back down to where you were, but it's just a readjustment period, I think. Because it, yeah, I, I completely agree with you. I think that there is a lot of, um, I suppose, hysteria around people saying, "Oh, I'm spiritual," and then they people that don't understand it go to this place of like, "Oh, you hug you hug trees, and you or you 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 spend half your time on a in a in a headstand, and you know you listen to funny music, and like you know that it's 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 not in their realm, so therefore it's it's strange. But actually, it, it, as you said yourself, it de- depends on how you define it. That's why I asked you the question, because some people would define spirituality as having a God and someone that they can look up to and, 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 and kind of worship and have that, you know, that, that, that respect and that, that reassurance, but other people see it as just believing in themselves and understanding they can go down that route and, and, and trust the process and be okay with being on their own and actually not having anyone else to help them, but they know full well in themselves that they can do what they set out to do. And it's it's funny because I've I've similar to you in the sense of like I was sort of brought up being told that this is what you should believe and I was like I didn't really get it and so I've never really been spiritual until I started believing a bit more in like karma and things that should happen for a reason and I yeah. totally 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 believe in uh, I mean I can't remember who who said it but there's a there's a quote that basically said luck isn't isn't luck isn't lucky like what people think it is luck is a skill and the re- the way you build luck is by having skill set meet opportunity that's luck right now i think that if you are somebody who every single day gets up and does the things that you know are good for you whether that be exercising meditating um you know journaling whatever it might be you do that every single day you build a certain skill within yourself that then when the time comes along the way where the opportunity arises that you can then use that skill to the best advantage that's when luck happens that's when luck is born and that's when then you move forward in life and you start doing the things you're doing Mm. so when was your lucky moment when was your moment of when you'd sort of come through this spiritual awakening and you realize that this is who you are now and you're you know you're kind of moving away from the party lifestyle and the 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 sort of vapid life that you're leaving with bad promotion good promotions but not really fulfilling you into kind of what you do now I love everything you just said. It's really interesting to hear it from um, a more kind of physical perspective of like the discipline and then the opportunity. And I love that meeting. And for me, there's just a third leg on that stool, which is the universe. And the universe will intervene um, and provide you with the circumstances, the opportunities, the people, the relationships, the one-off remarks, the coincidences, the little blessings, the thoughts that you need to align you with what I would say is our true path and purpose. And the more you are aligned with your path and purpose, the more lucky, in inverted commas, you are. And you'll go, oh, I feel so lucky. All these coincidences, people just, you know, I needed um, I needed X and then this person popped up and gave it to me. And it's just like, why are you thinking it's coincidence? Like you have aligned with your path and the universe is responding. Like it can only meet you where you're at. So yes, the discipline and the action and the, you know, motivated day to day has to come from you. And I always tell my clients, you know, you have to get yourself up there and then the universe can meet you there. If you're still down here, the universe can only really meet you where you're at. So it's a, it's a co-creation of your life. And Yeah. So I was going to say it's like a manifestation. That 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 for me is is the perfect word to sum up what you kind of just said in in my head. It's that whole like I like how you mentioned almost stepping up to the point where you want to be and the universe catching up because it does. You know, like if you step up mm-hmm. and raise your standards and and show up and basically be, become someone that you want to be, people look at you. People sort of suddenly suddenly see you on a higher ground. They're like, oh, and then they start understanding what you're all about and helping you. And as you come back to what your first point was that people on this planet are here to connect with each other whether that be physically emotionally spiritually but 
yeah money jobs all that other stuff it is it is simply just a means to an end whereas you know you don't yeah get on your deathbed and think about oh shit i wish i made that business deal once oh god i wish i bought those extra things in or i wish i got on that extra Completely. holiday or whatever no you think about all the people around you you think about your loved ones and so yeah you're absolutely right the, the connection is a, is a huge huge part of of, of what we're doing mm. in life so is that is that what drew you into coaching? Because obviously coaching is extremely connected. It's extremely personal. It's a really big, um, you know, step in the right direction for you. But is that kind of what brought you into that world? Yeah. So you asked before about like my lucky moment, as it were. And so for me, and what I would love people to take away is your luck, again, in inverted commas, will start when you start to choose love-based decisions over fear-based decisions. So fear-based decisions is where I was in my previous lifestyle and they take you if you almost imagine your path they take you further 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 away from the path and my luck started when I went I made that first love-based decision what do I want to do I want to go to New York fuck it this guy's not going to come and meet me fine I'm going to go do something I want to do love-based decision number one the universe pricks up its ears okay I see you in New York on your own making a love-based decision next love-based decision what do I want from this life? Who do I want to be? Hang on, I don't want to work in sales. Next, second love-based decision and so on and so forth. Actually, I want to use my unique gifts to earn money. There has to be a way. I used to say that some stuff. There has to be a way. This is the 21st century. I've got a computer. I've got Wi-Fi. I have to have, there must be a way that I can earn money doing something that I enjoy. And I'm not going to stop until I figure out what that is. And so I started to ask myself, do you know what? I asked myself something really funny, which I wonder if your listeners will resonate with. I basically said, right, okay, imagine you're in a post-apocalyptic society and every and the whole world is like destroyed and there's like a hundred of you left and you've got to rebuild society. And so, um, you know, one person would step forward and say, well, I'm really good with electrics. I'll be the electrician. And I thought about my friend who's a hairdresser. So she would step forward and say, well, I'm amazing at hair. I'll, do, I'll be the hairdresser. And I thought, well, shit, what would my thing be? What would I step forward and say? And I was like, you know what? I'm really damn good at inspiring and motivating people and helping them become the best version of them. Hang, I'll be the coach. So then I was like, boom, that was it. That was the moment when I, and everybody used to say to me, have you thought about being a life coach? Or they'd call me like mini Oprah. I kind of earned like a bit of a little nickname with my friends about being their version of Oprah. But then it got more and more serious. It became less funny and more like, you should really consider this. But I don't know if you experienced this, but my first limiting belief was like, well, maybe I need to be a bit older to be a coach. Maybe I need to be in my middle age. Maybe I need to be, you know, have lots of experience under my belt. Not that I don't already, Jesus. But, you know, what society might think. And actually, I was like, no, I'm going to be a coach. I'm going to do this. I'm going to figure out a way to do this. So when I started to make those love-based decisions and actually back myself, that was when the universe started to respond and everything felt quite easy. And I do genuinely believe that personal fulfillment comes from using your unique gifts to serve the world in some way that that to me is when people say to me oh I don't know what my purpose is what's my purpose what's my purpose I say don't ask me you need to go inward it's already in there like you were born with it but like you were born on purpose at this specific time for a specific reason you talked about karma earlier you know I very much believe in that and that we've incarnated at specific times to live out um, and learn and become whole from the previous karma and all that sort of thing so I always ask people go inward ask yourself the question what if I was to use my unique gifts combination of my experiences and my skills and what I love doing and I was going to combine those three things and figure out a way to serve the world what would be in the middle of that circle and you're pretty not far off if you do it properly from what your purpose is and for me that was coaching it's, it comes down to your why, doesn't it? And, and that's that's the fundamental difference between somebody who does something because they they want to versus somebody feeling like they have to. And if you can figure out your why, the how and the what and the whatever else comes afterwards because it almost falls into place. It's happened in business. It's happened in 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 in, in people. It's happened. In, it's across history. You know, there's the, I love the expression "success leaves clues." And if you look at any successful company or person, it's because they figured out why they're doing what they're doing, not what they're doing or how they're doing it. Mm. It's why they are doing it. And yes, it's a hard question, and it's something that. I think a lot of people want the answer to instantaneously. They're like, oh, I just want to know what I'm doing or why I'm doing it. But it's not a question somebody else can answer for you. You have to ask yourself and you have to take a, take a step back. And I think, kind of going off tangent a little bit here, but like when, when we look at the world today, 
you know, I'm a big advocate for digital detoxing, right? Um, I think that everybody should do a digital detox at least, at least once a year for at least a week, right? Um, I come off the back of doing 18 months off social media. And I think that it, w- it would change my life in the sense of I can now understand what, what it does to me and kind of what the benefits and the negatives are. But we live in a world of instant gratification, right? And if you're constantly waking up and, and checking your phone and then you, you know, getting onto emails and then it's like something else is happening and it's like bing, 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 bing all the time, you've got no time to actually just stop and think right? And when you stop and think, that's when you start understanding who you are and what you like and what your values are and what you're, um, you know, you're, you're drawn towards, you know, you mentioned it before. It's that I was, you were doing things out of being scared of them rather than doing things that you want to do because you were drawn towards them. And it, it comes back down to, you know, you and I know this a bit better than, than, than most probably listening, but the values and the belief side of, of, of your, of your life is that, you know, you should always look to look towards moving to the things towards that you love rather than just running away from your fears. And if you are able to do that, you will find fulfillment in, in everything you do because you're running towards something that you want rather than just kind of basically chasing your tail away from something you don't. And, you know, it, it, I find it fascinating. A good, I'm trying to think if I remember this story correctly, but there was a study done and this is like, this is my practical brain going into it. So this is why you and I are good, <laughs> good to chat because you're much more spiritual than I am. But in terms of the practical side of it, this might help people understand there was a study done in America where they basically put mice in a in a cage and they wanted to measure how fear versus um, pleasure was 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 in you know was going on in their head. So what they did was they they put this mouse in a, in a little cage and they strapped its tail to a little device that measured the force in which it would basically run away from. So then what it did was it, it starved it for maybe two days and then they put some cheese or whatever food at the end of the of the tunnel and measured how much force the the, the mouse had going towards the to, towards the food and it measured at say 0.5 or whatever they then did the same experiment with you know with the mouse and started for two days but instead of just putting the food at the other end they put a cat at the other end and the force was like three times as much and what that basically says mm. is that people were the, the the people sorry the mouse was more scared running away from the the, the cat behind it than it was looking for the food because it had been hungry for two days and you know obviously yeah mice and, and humans can be slightly different but we've tested on mouse and mice for years and i think that that's a huge sort of realization that people need to start looking towards what they actually want and working towards that rather than sitting around and thinking oh god i'm scared of failure or i'm scared of that person thinking of me or i'm scared of you know being accepted or like i'm worried about if i post this picture on instagram is anyone gonna like it like it, it, as soon as you get out of that headspace and move towards like, I'm actually just going to put myself out mm. there and I'm going to show the world who I am. And if somebody doesn't like it, then that's their problem, not mine. And you you go into such a better headspace. And as you said, you start feeling much more accepted, not just in yourself, but by the world. Definitely. I, I absolutely love that. I think, you know, that little metaphor of the piece of cheese that the mouse is going to run towards. And it's almost like, well, what's your tiny piece of cheese? And even if it's just a crumb right now, like what could you do each day that just make that bit of cheese get bigger and bigger and bigger to the point where you can clearly see it and it's really enticing and tempting and you want to move towards it every single day. But first of all, you have to locate that crumb and that crumb is within you. And if you're unsure where to start, have a look at the painful experiences that have happened in your life because they have happened for a reason. They've happened to crack you open in some way. So start there. Always find the purpose out of the pain. Something that's so important. Otherwise, your life has just been this, you know, some people have had more pain than others. Don't don't get me wrong, but it's all been for a reason. And I think if you can find the purpose in that and you can become grateful for it, it gives you so much more motivation to say, okay, I was in that awful relationship but that happened for a reason because it opened me up emotionally and now I'm really able to have a cold space and have empathy for other people. And if I hadn't have had that relationship, I wouldn't have been as conscious. And so once you can start to become grateful for those experiences, then you can move forward in a way that you think, you know what, I am supported. I am here for a reason. Things are happening in my favor, even if they didn't feel like it at the time. And you can kind of cling on to that creme of cheese and just focus on what's going to make that grow and get bigger and bigger for you each day. And it starts with asking yourself, new questions as well. Earlier you said, what do I want to do? How should I do it? All those questions that come up, I'm sure from your clients and from people you speak to, what and how, what and how. And I really invite people to ask a new question, change that to who, who, who am I becoming? Who do I want to be? What legacy do I want to leave? 
and look to that future version of you. And when I change that question myself, and for me, this particularly pertains to weight loss and physical transformation. When I started to ask myself, who do I want to be? Instead of like, what should I look like? And what should I be eating? And how much weight have I lost this week? And that sort of thing. Everything changed. Everything changed. I managed to achieve things that I have struggled with for 10 years plus. Um, up and down and all or nothing mindset and constantly going round and round through unhealthy lifestyle patterns and diets and this and that. Great Googling crazy questions like, how can I lose a stone in a month and still drink? Which is something I've Googled a million times in the past. <laughs> so, you know, actually moving to, just, just quickly, who do I want to be? And then... Is, is, yeah. is, is there is there actually something that... Is there someone that's done something that, that, that <laughs> can make you lose a stone in, in a month while uh, drinking? I'd be so interested. Yeah, it's like eat soup and only drink like vodka and slimline tonics or something like that. And I just was like, I don't think I can do that. I haven't got it in me to do that. Oh my god, someone's <laughs> because actually... I didn't want. I was so attached. Yeah, so, yeah. Someone's put that on the internet, and then they've and they've decided. Yeah, oh, that, that's that's thousands a thing. of hits. Oh my god, it's so that's bad, the thing. Isn't it? Yeah, you can Google it. But I was so attached to the version of me. I used to call myself the queen of pubs. That was like, I had created, talk about creating like an ego identity outside of yourself. I was so attached to the version of me that was like, walked into the pub and was miss sociable and used to always show up to every party and would like down pints with the boys, no problem. And I was so attached to that, that even though I wanted things, like I knew it was kind of unhealthy, like how can I lose weight? But I think underneath it all was just a drive a deep drive to look and feel my best, which is where I am now. But I couldn't give up that part of me. Like, and, I, and I struggled for so long. And it was only when I changed the answer to the question, who am I and who am I becoming? Um, and once I let go of the queen of pubs and became, you know, successful, inspirational, impactful coach, which is the words I used at the time, um, that changed everything. And the behaviors realigned themselves very easily. You and I both know this from doing NLP training is that once you ask yourself questions at the identity level, which is nearer to the top of um, something called the neurological levels, which is a almost imagine a triangle, identity is near the top and behavior is at the bottom. And I'd only ever tried to change my behavior. But once I went up to that identity of who am I, behavior changed itself very very easily I gave up smoking almost overnight I gave up drinking pretty much overnight um I now have one or two on special occasions I always down 95 percent sober um and yeah I was able to lose weight almost with ease which I know is so annoying for people that you know are saying but how but how but how because I was that person as well but it can be done it's really interesting you mentioned that about changing your identity um when I decided to go sober, it's actually, it's, it's taken a while to get to me to that point. But last September, 2019, I turned 30 and had myself a huge birthday because I spent my twenties mm-hmm. having a wild time. And, uh, you know, I'll, I'll leave it at that, but I had basically a good three day <laughs> party for my birthday. And it was amazing. Like, I had an amazing time, all my friends, it was wicked. Like honestly, couldn't have asked for a better birthday, but came off the back of that obviously had just as a uh, just as bigger kind of down spiral off off after the back of that and feeling a bit kind of like what am I doing I'm 30 midlife crisis all that crap that you get and uh and I kind of just decided right this is this isn't this isn't going to be me moving forward and it was off the back of having two other things happen to me that were quite big life changes that you know were also bad it was what you say before you know you got to listen to those you got to think like well no they haven't just happened they're happening for a reason so what I did was I decided for my 30th birthday, I was going to book myself an Ironman competition. And I, you know, I'd never even done a half, I'd done a half marathon at that point, let alone anything else. So I was like, right. And that then became my identity. And in order to become that person, I went sober. I went plant-based. I booked myself a marathon 10 weeks time and decided that I was just going to become this weird fitness freak overnight. But the fact that I went almost like so deep into it, I mean, family friends were like what are you doing what you know just you're going like full steam ahead in the opposite direction i'm like no this is actually how i want to be and you're absolutely right as soon as you claim the identity of yourself everything just seems to make sense you don't do it because you feel like you have to you do it because you want to and it's amazing how you are that's it you you get to that point and you know fast forward did the marathon stayed sober for the whole time um but then kind of christmas came along and i kind of buckled under the pressure but then kind of had that realization of like well, I've been there and I've done it and it felt great. What, you know, I'm going to do it again. And now, you know, fast forward now, I've continued the plant-based stuff. I've now been sober for coming up six months, which is amazing, you know, and I've run 
a half Ironman and a full one in that in that year's time, which is just like when I look back on it, mind blowing. But it all started with like claiming the identity of the person I wanted to be, you know. And if yeah. you don't do that, you then well, sorry, if you if you do do that, all the things that come with that, the social pressures and the people asking why and all the rest of it it's like water of a duck's back you just Mm -hmm. over it and you just become this new person and people either accept it and become your friends or they don't and you get rid of them yeah oh my god first of all like that is actually amazing that you've done all of that and the iron man i saw that all on your social media and that was just so so awesome and yeah i'm all for sober living now i think it for me it started off as almost like a necessity because i'd got a new job and i'd signed up to do like two different coaching diplomas and I was starting to take on clients and I wanted to lose weight. So I was like, you know what? I'm just going to, being this new coaching person doesn't, drinking just doesn't fit in with that. So I thought I'll just take a few weeks out. And just like you said, I started to really just feel and understand the benefits of it. And it gave me so much clarity. And I was like, actually, do you know what? I used to um, drink to bring myself out. Now I feel like if I was to drink, it would dull me back. Like I am lucid. I am productive. And I feel like I'm seeing life clearly in a way that you don't when you are constantly binge drinking or drinking and staying in that haze, I suppose. So yeah, I completely, completely agree with you on all of that sober choice. And and what I really want to get across as well, and this is something that's so important to me in, in terms of Coach by CC and my um, business is uh, my tagline has kind of become a bit of a, a sort of trademark is sober, spiritual, still bougie AF. Like you can still live a really bougie life and you don't have to be this hippie person wearing beads, hugging trees, although all power to you if that's how you want to live your life. I hugged, like I actually hugged a tree the other day for the first time ever and it was awesome. But like that is so not the norm. Like you can be, you can make choices around your drinking. You can choose to have a few on special occasions. You can choose to go completely sober. It's completely up to you. And you can be spiritual and you can want to listen to spiritual podcasts. You can want to pull cards if you want. You can want to go to church if that's what you want to do. And you can still be super bougie. You can live a really fantastic life. You can be trendy. You can be cool. You can be young. You can be whatever you think you're losing, you can still and to be completely honest like I look at the story you've just shared and I think about my life now compared to the version of me before and I think I'm way cooler now like I'm living my purpose I'm healthy I've got boundaries that allow me to actually do what I want to do and not buckle under peer pressure and things and I say to my clients like being sober in this day and age that's the biggest like rebellious act you can do like that's the coolest thing to do you're not just following what everyone else is saying you should do or what society is telling you to you know and women get so much pressure like drink to be sexy drink to be fun drink to be cool drink to fit in with the boys don't drink too much otherwise like you know you're a slag and you know this is that and it's like just free yourself of that conditioned BS, but just even try it for a month and allow yourself to step out into your own power and just say, and the thing is as well, I don't know if you found this, but most other people secretly want to do the same thing. Like the oh, amount of people when God. I stopped drinking that were like, oh my God, how do you do it? So like, how do you go out and not drink? Like what, like, do you say, oh my God, I'd love to do that. And I'm just like, girl, come and join me. Like do it. You know, you don't need to do that. Um, you don't need to go out all the time and you don't need to drink all the time. And if you want to go to bed at 10.30, go to bed at 10.30. Like maybe, like do you. And they're all harboring these desires to like step into the best version of themselves as well. I actually didn't get that much criticism. I just got more people wanting to do the same. I love that. I think, first of all, you're absolutely right. People that that talk to you about how did you go sober? Like what how what do you and they have like so many questions that, that can't even get them out of the mouth like a, in time. They can't cope. Yeah, yeah. it's like <laughs> sorry, what? And it's like a blo- yeah. it's a mind-blowing experience. <laughs> I find two things. First of all, the people that ask the most questions are usually the ones that are super, super curious and the ones that are like, you know, but, but how, and then there's the other side of the coin that people are like, but just have a drink. Like, what's the point? Like, what are you doing? And they're usually the ones that have actually got the problem that need to go sober yeah. because they're the ones that are drinking two for every one. And, you know, are like always getting people down to the pub or to, you know, it, it's, it's the ones that have a problem with you being sober that usually have the problem themselves. And that's definitely one thing I've Completely. found. Um, but really interesting what you're saying about how, when you when you go sober people get so fascinated by it because we've been conditioned especially brits right and i've mentioned this before in a previous show but brits have a ability to be able to make drinking 
okay. Like uh, not even okay. It's like a part of our culture, which is so wrong that I, I just can't even get over it. And I was, as, I was, I've been a subject to it mm-hmm. for most of my life. You know, you start drinking when you're 14 and you go to parties and you try and, you know, you get the cheapest bottle of cider that's two liters and you, you know, Edward, you know, strap it to your hand and you can't touch, you know, all stupid games, but it's all drinking focused. And yeah. yes, it's all good and fun and games. Like, and through, you know, I've had friends that went to uni and obviously when I was in my twenties, I was smashing it super hard and it was all great fun, but there is a negative side to it. And if you realize that there's a negative side to it, that not just like mentally and, and physically and, and, you know, emotionally, it just like drains you. But when you get to the point where you can actually just free yourself of not having to do something because society says so, it's the most empowering feeling in the world. So, so, mm-hmm. so empowering. Mm-hmm. Not, not just is it a lot more cheaper to live, but you get to spend more money on the things that you actually want to do. You get better sleep. You know, I could go on for, I could do a whole other show on, on just sobriety, but you know. The, you the, look the, hell of a lot better. That's it. <laughs> you, you don't have to worry about skin treatments and like, you know, you're getting bags and like, all that stuff just disappears. And mm-hmm. people forget that it's a poison. You are putting a poison into your body. And half the time, if you, who is it? As uh, a, a friend of mine, um, Chris Williamson, who runs a podcast called The Modern Wisdom. I listen to a lot of his shows and he talks about how, you know, if you were to ask your friends or ask yourself, would you see, still see your friends if alcohol wasn't involved? And I, and, he, and it's amazing how many people would be like, mm, maybe not. And it just shows that like, yes, alcohol mm. brings you together, but that is the, the, why are you bringing yourself together over, over a pint? Like surely the reason you go for a pint with someone is to catch up with the person, not to drink with them, you know? So I don't know. It's, it's a very interesting yeah. topic. And I think that the world moving forward is going to have a very different outlook on it for years to come. You know, I think that there's a lot more options available now yeah. for being sober. And I think that, you know, the generations, you know, before us have definitely not had the option to be able to do it until now. And I think generations after us are going to have a lot more awareness around the effects. It's a bit like what smoking was in the 50s. People just did it because they said it was it was good. Now, if I was like, holy shit, that's really bad for you. You know, mm. it's probably going to be the same sort of thing. Who knows? E-cigarettes in 50 years time could be the same same deal. Who knows? Who knows? But um, yeah, yeah, it's, it's I, I find that, yeah, ultimately taking control of your own life is is definitely the first step towards understanding who you are and um i wanted to just yeah. come back to what you were saying before about kind of practices that you can use in order to be able to sort of start that journey so what do you do to help you continually to be or continue to be centered and focused on 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 you and finding out what your journey is yeah um i think these daily well, daily, weekly anchors and um, spiritual or mindset practices, disciplines are so, so important. I always say they carry you when you can't carry you. And the world is heavy right now. Like there is a lot of uncertainty. There are lots of people in really difficult situations. Um, and, you know, I know that so many people are feeling that kind of heaviness and that anxiousness of what's going to happen. And so these practices, when you can get them into a consistent fashion. These are the things that will carry you and that will hold you when you aren't able to show up as your best self. And this is why they're so important. For me, they look like uh, meditation. So meditation is key, even if it's um, anything from sitting in silence for 30 minutes, which is when I'm like, I'm on fire, to like a five minute guided meditation, which is when I'm like, you know what, let me just check in with myself, but I need a little bit of help today. So that's kind of, I give myself that grace to not have to go the full silent 30 minute Zen style every day. But I do try to build up to at least some time in silence each day. Um, And then also things to take care of myself. I work out regularly all throughout lockdown. I continue to just get a 20 to 30 minute jog in each day. And that was an absolute lifesaver. Now I work out properly. I go to um, CrossFit gym. So that's awesome. Three times a week just to really um, release all those endorphins and keep myself in good shape and also challenge myself as well. Like, you know, a few years ago, stepping into the little gym in my corporate office was quite scary. And I was just doing little shoulder exercises and trying to figure out my way around. And now to think, shit, I'm in a CrossFit box doing these, all these crazy workouts is, is amazing. And it's definitely out of my comfort zone, but I'm loving it. So I think working out, 
some time in silence, some sort of meditation, taking care of myself, you know, keeping up a good sleep regime. I'm in bed by 10.30. I wake up at six. That's pretty much every day to my detriment when I'm on holiday because I literally cannot lie in. But I'm always uh, more of a morning person anyway. Skincare, you know, all of those sorts of like surface level self-care things. And then also um, other practices like practicing non-judgment, practicing... Um, watching the talk in my head and like journaling out I like to journal out it either in the morning or the evening kind of like all the negative thoughts I've been having any fear that's coming up for me and then also checking in with maybe some things that I feel grateful for that day or what I'd like to be thinking or visualizing about where I'm going and making sure that I get something out on paper um each day either in the morning or the evening is really important it's almost like I see the morning routine and the evening routine, which gets talked about a bit less, but is no less important in my view as like the bookends of the day. And you want to make sure you've just got, even if it's 20 minutes where you are just checking in with you before you go on that phone, before you check your Instagram notifications, I have boundaries around that. I have them turned off until, um, you know, from sort of nine o'clock until eight o'clock each day, I can't access my apps. Um, which has been a bit of a lifesaver in terms of that digital detox each day that you were speaking about before. I actually turned my phone off for the first time ever a couple of weeks ago. I turned it off for 24 hours, just thinking, you know what? I just don't want to look at you today. And actually, it was so fucking amazing and game-changing that I've now committed to doing it once a week, a 24-hour phone-off period, because it just was, it blew my mind how quickly I was able to feel just disconnected in a really nice way held supported just kind of comforted and I wasn't even thinking to check it you know you just find your thumb going to it and I wasn't even thinking about that so those are sorts of some of the day-to-day anchors that I go to when I want more guidance I'll do things like pull cards speak to loved ones obviously always going to people for support but making sure we check in with other people's boundaries is important and also another thing as well, which I've learned is um, not going to people like I heard something once, which I think you'll really like is don't ask people for advice who haven't done what you want to do successfully. And I think that's really important. Like I used to farm out my decisions to like every next person, like so-and-so at work's husband's cousin. I'd be like, can I just get your advice on something? And actually it's like, no, no, I need to bring things into a much smaller inner circle. I'm much more um I don't overshare as much as I used to I'm more private now I like to go internal and sit with my emotions rather than kind of farming those things out to the people that's a bit of a mishmash really but those are the practices I try to maintain week by week day to day I like that the that quote is great I really enjoy that because it comes it comes back Mm -hmm. to the, the 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 process of modeling you know modeling is a surefire way if anyone's listening and they want to start a business or they want to do something they haven't done or or just achieve something that this that's that kind of out of their realm at the moment find someone who's done it before and copy them or ask them or model them it is honestly not rocket science and people have this weird limiting belief that oh no i don't want to ask so and so what he's done or she's done with their business or their life or their sport because like i'm it's embarrassing believe me when people have reached heights of like being whether it be top athletes or top businessmen, all they want to do is share. People love talking about themselves. Yeah. Why not give them the opportunity? You know, I've, I figured this out in the last few years, but, you know, coming back to when, for example, my, my Ironman training, I had no idea how to train for an Ironman, but I do know three people that have completed at least three of them and went and asked them, what do you suggest? And it was just a simple question. And they were like, oh, mate, I'll send you a whole thing. What this like training program? And I was like, way more than I asked for. But <laughs> there you go. I just, all I is ask the question. Yeah. Um, and, and the other thing I was, I was going to say to you about the, the the digital detoxing once a week, well done for that, first of all, because that is an honestly, that is a really, really big, big positive um, thing you can do in your life. One objection I've had when I've suggested that to other people is that, oh, but what if someone needs to contact me or what if my family are in trouble or what if, mm. whatever. Make sure you set your boundaries to the people that need to know where you are. <clears throat> so what I mean by that is, let's say Sunday is your day off for phones, right? You just say to people, I'm not using my phone on Sunday, preempt it, tell them that you're not going to be on your phone yeah. on Sunday. So that therefore, if they need to get a hold of you, you know, then they either have, if it's a, if it's an emergency, then I don't know, come up with something that, that means they can get, still get a hold of you, whether it be um, sending you an email or I don't know, something along those lines, but yeah. you know, there has to be a way around that because you can't just constantly be on hold, so to speak. 
everybody in your life, just in case they need to call you, you need to take that time out for yourself. And it's amazing how quickly, as soon as you start to set those boundaries, people respect them. And they're like, oh, you know what? I was going to call CC on Sunday, but I know she's not using her phone. So I'll wait till Monday. Or they text you and then you just get it on Monday and you you reply. So I think, yeah, if people are listening to this and want to start doing a bit of digital detoxing, first of all, just clarify with the people that you think might want to get in touch with you. It's usually parents. but, you know, want that, that they can still get a hold of you, but do it either on the night before or the day after. And, and, you know, unless there's a big emergency, I'm sure there's someone else that can, that can, can help yeah. at, at that time. But it's, you know, it's a, a very yeah. rare occasion that that would happen. Um, yeah. Like how often does that actually happen? Like realistically. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and uh, that goes of um, drinking as well. That's something that I did when I started my new job, I went in preempted and said, right, I'm going to do things slightly differently. This was uh, last September. I've now since quit that job to coach full time. But when I first started, I was like, I'm going to tell them that I don't drink. There was also someone else on the team, Teetotal, thank God. So it didn't make me look quite as unusual. I was like, I'm going to tell them that I'm not drinking at the moment. I'm preempted it. And then I got the predictable, oh, come on. Or won't you come for drinks with us, blah, 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 blah. And so I said to them, and every to everybody I tell loves this. I said, I will give you one I owe you night out and you can use it when you want between now and December, but you only have one drinking night that you can use with me where I will come for drinks with you. And they were like, so grateful. They were like, yes, okay, perfect. Like, when are we going to do it? When should we have it? It ended up being like the Christmas party. I did, I did end up having a few drinks with them. And actually on the night I got away with just having, I think two glasses of Prosecco and no one really said anything. It was, it was more the principle of me going. And it's so funny. It kind of made me think of like toddlers, like, you know, when you set such strict boundaries that you're like, you can have a cookie, one cookie. And then they're like, okay, amazing. Like I'll do all my jobs and then I'll get the one cookie. And I kind of treated it like that. And have to say if any of my old colleagues are listening I'm not trying to call you toddlers but they responded really well to it and they were like okay completely we'll use the IOU card like whenever we choose and as I say it ended up being the Christmas party so yeah preempt those boundaries and you'll be surprised how quickly people are a willing to respect them and be grateful for like any little bit of energy that you do give them then like after you've set that boundary, I'm sure if you said, do you know what, I'll leave my phone on for an hour on Sunday morning just so that you can text me, the person that you said that to would be like, okay, amazing. Thank you so much. Like, I, I really appreciate it. I know that Sunday is your day off. And suddenly people are grateful for an hour, whereas before you had to be on hold for 24 hours and no one probably even messaged. So it just really protects your energy. And then people start responding in a completely different way. Absolutely. I, I agree with all of that. I love that. I love that cookie toddler analogy. I think it's a really <laughs> clever one. It's really, really good. You know, yeah. it's like you get a gold star if you, you, yeah. know, if you, you know, keep to yourself and do your, do your homework properly and, and all that sort of stuff. It's good. Exactly. Um, yeah. People are quite simple creatures. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, Cece, let's, let's just move on a little bit to kind of what you're doing now with work because I mean I've I've been following you for a while on Instagram and, and on your socials and you you've got you've always got something a course or a webinar or some sort of amazing offer always going on and I love watching you because it inspires me to kind of like think about what I'm doing in my business but but also I just love your energy with it. So just give us a bit of a rundown about kind of what you've what you've run in the past in terms of courses and and, and things but also what you've got coming up. Yes, thank you so much. First of all, I do. I love showing up on social media and I love creating new things for my audience and for my coaching business. That's always, um, I'm glad to hear the energy's coming across. So I have been working really hard to um, kind of build out, I don't like the word product suite because it sounds too corporate, but build out my offers, if you like, so that I can meet women um, exactly where they are on their healing journey. So as you've heard from the whole episode, you know, you start off, pretty unconscious, unsure about how to start making changes. Then maybe you get to a point in the middle where, you know, you've got a bit of an understanding of spirituality and you know what you want to do, but you're kind of struggling with hitting dead ends. You're not sure how to get there. And then all the way up to women who are conscious and really want to make sure that they're getting the absolute most out of their life, make sure that they're truly living their purpose and leaving a legacy that feels worthy of them. So that's kind of like my client's journey, if you like. And as you'll probably figure out, it reflects my own journey. And most coaches will tell you that they coach people, previous versions of themselves. 
because that's where our experience lies, right? So over the past um, five months, I have launched a program called Self-Sabotage to Self-Love, the Ultimate Lifestyle Transformation. When I launched it the first time in May, it completely sold out. It was one-to-one. And that was amazing and a real entrance into the coaching space. And I quit my uh, corporate job off the back of that. So um, I coached all those women. That was fantastic. And then I really wanted to offer something um, that was more accessible and that could allow more women to work with me, especially as lockdown started to kind of roll on. I just felt really cool to be of service to try and impact more people. So I created a self-led course called Reset and Restart. And it kind of was what it says on the tin. It was for women who are just looking to press a pause button, go inward, readdress the balance. The, the modules were master your mindset, break your sabotaging cycles, protect your energy and find your purpose. And that's the little journey that they go on. And so I launched that in September. And that's like sort of the most accessible way to work with me. And now I'm about to relaunch self-sabotage and self-love, but in a group setting. And that's uh, early to mid-November which I'm really excited about. And I think adding the group dynamic is just going to, not only are you going to go on that journey from self-sabotage to self-love, but you can also meet, you know, new people to connect with, uh, like-minded souls. I always call my um, community, I hate the word community, so I call it my soul family. And it's like, obviously you've got your family, but you can also choose members of your soul family. People who understand and want to talk about sober living or spirituality or have conversations like we've had today. I know if you just bring this on someone down the local pub, they might be like, who's that weirdo that turned up and started talking about, you know, hugging trees and whatever we've spoke about. So, you know, it's about meeting people and it's combating that loneliness as well. So the group setting is going to be awesome. And then in the new year, I'm going to launch a program called Unconscious Autopilot to Conscious Creator. And that is for women who are kind of quite well established in their self-development journey. That will be high level one-to-one deep spiritual work, deep inner work, um, really purpose-driven, service-led outlook on the rest of their lives um, and helping them to step into their ultimate power and really start to completely fulfill their purpose and use their gifts to serve the world and get a real deep, deep understanding of, of who they are. So yeah, that will be a, a quite um, complica- like complex spiritual work that goes on there. So that's sort of the journey, really. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. What I mean, first of all, what an, uh, what an incredible bunch of courses, but also information that you are giving people in, in these, you know, in these, in these webinars, in these courses, in these, in these, uh, these things you've come in coming up, like I'm intrigued. I want to get involved. Do you take, do you take on guys? Or <laughs> do you know what? I have always marketed myself to women. Um, but I've always said if a guy, well, if a guy resonated with my work and wanted to work with me, I would never say no. Um, but you know, when you first start, it's very much niche down and that this, this and that. So I was like, you know what, let me market myself to women, but I am intrigued to take on guys. So yeah, we'll have to see what's this space. There we go. Well, look, I mean, if anybody wants to find out about any of that stuff that you just said, or your courses, your webinars, and just find out a bit more about you generally, and you know, follow you on Instagram because I definitely recommend that you do some amazing stuff on there. Where can people find you? Yes, please do come over and follow me on at Coached by CC C I C I. Um, you can also email me if you like at CC at Coached by um, My DMs are always open. My emails are always open. I'm very happy for you to come into my space, into my soul family, ask me questions. I'm always in the DMs, um, giving people just little tips and coaching, and very happy to welcome new members. And I also have a Facebook community as well. Just said that word I hate. Facebook group <laughs> called CBC colon soul family. So please do feel free to um, join that as well. I often go in there. I do, even though I'm pretty unfiltered on Instagram, I'm super unfiltered in the Facebook group. I just go in and do lives. I'll do Q and A's whilst I'm getting ready. I'll just go in and speak to people. They drop me questions. I'm really open. If I ever order any, like for example, books off Amazon, I'll do an unboxing. Like I just drop journal prompts in there. There's so much information in there. So yeah, please do find me on Instagram, email or my Facebook group. Fantastic. I will put all of those in the show notes below and make sure that people are directed in the right way. Cece, this has been super, super lovely. Honestly, it's been really nice just to to chat about your journey and and your spiritual side and and kind of the universe. And as I, you know, said at the very beginning, we've known each other. We've never actually met in person, which is crazy considering that. No, I I have so many people like that. 
and it feels great it feels like amazing i feel like i i, I know you better than some people i've known for 10 years so i feel mm. like this is uh this has been a really yeah. really nice uh really nice chat and honestly um look forward to seeing your journey develop as it already has done and i'm sure i'm going to get messages for you coming on again so uh, hopefully you'll have you'll come on and do another one with me at some point yeah. in the future I would absolutely love that. Thank you so much for having me. This has been the nicest chat and I've learned from you today as well. And I can't wait to interact with some of your listeners and um, yeah, hopefully come and speak to you all again soon. Fantastic. Have yourself a good day and I'll speak to you soon.